You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Tuesday, August the 16th. It was supposed to rain here in TW11 yesterday. Well, it did after a fashion, a little sprinkle after midnight, but no more than that. And I'm not sure that York is going to quite get the deluge that was forecast during the course of this week. In a few moments, I'll be speaking to the chief executive, William Darby, in a packed show today, where I'll also be speaking to Paddy Toomey, a man who could win two Group 1s and the Ebor this week. And given his extraordinary strike rate, it's by no means impossible, and he's confident about all the horses he runs, both at York and at Deauville. I'll also be talking to Ted Vout later in the programme. We cover a number of topics. Amongst them, of course, is Mishrif. Could tomorrow's Judmont International be the final racecourse appearance for the defending champion? If you listen to Ted closely, I think you'll find it It might well be. And a little later still, I'll be talking to Davy Russell about the very important hurling for cancer game that takes place in County Kildare this evening. But first of all, Jane Mangan is with me. Uh, Jane, you will be at York this week. How do you like the thought of that? Oh, I'm relishing the prospect. I just hope that the skies aren't waiting for us to arrive before they open. But we've got everything from the heavyweight division to the two-year-olds. There's an awful lot to look forward to. We have the world's highest rated horse in Baid. Yes, it's a, a small field. Alan Kerr out of the dirty scope. That brings the Judmont International down to six runners. Yorkshire Oaks looks like a, a well-on-par renewal. We've got, obviously, the Ebor on Saturday, the Lonsdale Cup. Um, for the stairs and of course the Nunthorpe two-year-olds coming in and making that sprint division a little bit more interesting I see today Alice Haynes has supplemented her filly Lady Hollywood for what could be the two-year-old race of the week in the Lowther taking on dramatized um, Maj and meditate for Aidan O'Brien uh, so there seems to be a little bit for everybody but I, I suppose front and center you've got Baid is he that good is he going to wow us well i'm looking forward to seeing him in the flesh i saw him before the queen anne at royal ascot he is a bit of a wow factor horse and i think he'll attract the crowds joining me now chief executive of your race course william darby uh, william what's the what's the day before the ebor festival like for you these days well it's incredibly busy on site nick as as the site really comes alive with those f- final finishing touches a lot of deliveries into the kitchens so busy chefs on site already, um, lots of banner companies putting up signage and sponsor branding around the site and all the grounds team busy um, preparing rail and, and preparing the track for what looks set to be an amazing four days of racing. The track seems to have held up incredibly well this year with a, a reasonably busy spell of racing. But of course, we know how dry it's been, dry everywhere, the, the most significant drought since the mid-1970s. How challenging has that made life for your team ahead of your, your marquee fixture? Yeah, it has been a challenging period with that with that sort of um, very high temperatures causing the, the grasses that we have in the UK slightly to to slightly stress out and wilt just in the sheer heat of the of the midday sun. We got up to 40 degrees in July, and I think the day before yesterday we were up to 33 degree, 
degrees, so a lot of heat. Um, we've got a brilliant irrigation system we installed a couple of years ago using the latest technology from Golf in America, um, a hunter system, which we're really pleased at. So that gets us to irrigate during the night um, so when it's when you don't lose as much to the elements um, and a really good supply of water from the borehole below our feet. So um, we've managed to keep on top of the track. It looks at a million dollars. We just had 2.2 millimetres in a, in a sharp thunderstorm on Monday evening. There was thunder rattling around the track and I, I live 20 miles away. We had a lot more at home. Um, but so still good to firm ground and, and possibility of a shower again tonight, um, Tuesday night. Um, but it looks reasonably set fair for the race week and more comfortable temperatures, sort of 20, 21 degrees for, for the four days. But we've talked so much on this podcast and elsewhere during the course of the summer about um, rather varied attendance figures at, at various fixtures mm-hmm. that the festivals have, have tended to hold up pretty well, certainly in the in the wider sporting context. Uh, have you got any indications as to how this week's going to go? Well, ticket sales have been incredibly strong, as you say, for our festival, our flagship festival meeting. We're something like 23% ahead going into the meet compared to 2019, which uh, so we've never sold, sold as many tickets and badges, general admission for the week. Um, there, are, there are two sort of caveats to that, really, Nick. One is that um, in Britain, we've got a train strike on both Thursday and Saturday, so we just don't know how that is going to affect us, despite the fact we've got plenty of free, plentiful car parking around the sites and the coach network is still working. But obviously that's an inconvenience to race goers and staff that the train network will not be available on Thursday and Saturday. And the second thing that we've experienced, and I know every race course and a leisure venue has experienced, is that people are not tending to turn up on the day and pay on the gate, which we've has always been an element of our attendance at York. Uh, um, so, so, other, so we'll, you know, we don't know where we'll end up from the week, but going into it, we're, we're in a really good shape. We're really looking forward to it. I think the reward for the sort of six million pound investment in prize money, which has attracted the, the brilliant horses we've got on show, which has uh, therefore attracted the passionate sort of Northern race goers who, I just can't wait to see these fabulous horses in the Naismark. We're going to know so much more, William, by the end of this week about what's going to unfold for the remainder of the season, not just in Great Britain, but overseas as well. I almost see York as a a bit of a gateway to the international autumn. To what extent is is your place in in the international firmament growing in importance to you? Yeah, tremendously important, Nick, both both from, uh, as you say, dealing with the, the other jurisdictions and the authorities in various countries and, the, and our, our sister racetracks around the world, and, and also attracting the horses from around the world. So we've got the um, Good Eye from Sweden, um, a lot of horses from France coming during the week, as you will have seen. And, and yes, as you say, both Breeders' Cup, the Japan Racing Association, the huge bonuses for horses that win our Group 1s and then go on to compete in, in Japan in the autumn. Um, Victoria Racing Clubs, so Lee Jordan's with us throughout the week and and any horse that first finishes in the first three of, of both the Skybet Ebor, the Lonsdale and the Great Voltager will will be able to late entry into the Melbourne Cup. And the Bahrain International Trophy, the winner of the strengths will get will get a free entry into into their big race in November. So so lots of global alliances working closely with World Horse Racing through the week, um, who we're affiliated to, really to 
to promote the, the sport on a global scale and what better way to do that than with the world's highest rated horse Baid due to compete in our richest and most prestigious flagship race, the Jumbo International, tomorrow. York Chief Executive William Darby there. Jane Mangan uh, was listening to that. First of all, Jane, it looks as though the ground's going to be on the lively side most of the week. I mean, that won't be to the liking of, of horses like Trushan, but provided those, there's no deluge, it should be fine for, for Baid tomorrow. Um, David Yates couldn't see past him yesterday, uh, though I, I read a very cogent case put by Paul Keeley in the Racing Post suggesting reasons why Mishriff might beat him at one last hurrah. As I said, we'll be hearing from Ted Vout in a, in a few moments' time, how how do you read it? If when you when you play the race in your own mind, Jane, how do you see it unfolding? Basically, the only worry I have is that Alan Kerr is now out with a dirty scope, and we know that is a worry for the Haggis team. So hopefully, Baid obviously would have had the same checks as all the other runners, and he's uh, a okay. So provided he is, who do you see as his biggest threat, if any? Native Trail is the one for me. He's the young horse. I thought he ran super in the Eclipse. Ten furlongs obviously proved on that occasion that that shouldn't be an issue. I don't think Mishriff is as good as he was last year. It's a worry breaking from the stall, so I'm willing to take him on uh, for the if I'm going to, to, to try and find the horse to follow home by um so it should be straightforward for Jim Crowley if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, can we be quite so dogmatic that he's going to stay a mile and a quarter? I mean, is it a foregone conclusion? His pedigree suggests he ought to. Um, and he's got a very relaxed running style. But he's a very, very fast horse over a mile. Yeah, but the good ones seem to have tend to have everything. And he seems to have all of that. He's full brother to Coronation winner in Hookham from that brilliant family of uh, Shadwell's family. I don't... I think everything is pointing that direction. You mentioned he's got the mind to settle, to help Jim Crowley nurture him into the race. The worry is that if it, it turned into a real tactical race, but if it does and they go slow, he has a turn of foot that the others shouldn't be able to match of what we've seen today. And if they go a million miles an hour, then I, I think he's going to be comfortable everywhere we go. So I don't I don't see past him and I don't find a, a, a feel the need to go try and getting him beaten in my own head because I don't think that's logically going to happen. As I said, I, I'm I'm going native trail to follow him home if that's a, a bet that interests anyone. Well, it could be a very big week at York and elsewhere for trainer Paddy Toomey, who is clipping at a 40% strike rate the last couple of weeks, which is not too far above his overall strike rate of the last few years. Big week in stakes races, Paddy. We'll start with the Yorkshire Oaks La Petite Coco. It's a super comeback in the Pretty Polly Stakes on uh, Irish Derby weekend. Are you pretty confident in your own mind that she can she can build from that with just eight runs under her belt? Yeah, look, she's in good form. She she had a nice, she progressed well last year and uh, culminating in her victory over love and the Blandford Stakes and Irish Champions Weekend. And uh, she, you know, I was very happy with her and obviously winning her group one, her first group one and come back there this year. And uh, I think she's progressed from that race. It's sort of hard to believe she's as, as relatively inexperienced as, as she is because she's be, always seemed to be such a such a true hardy professional. Is she as straightforward as she appears to us? She's very straightforward, fully to train. She's, uh, you know, she's uncom, she's uncomplicated, and on a, on, a, on her daily routine, she's, she's very straightforward. So traveling, not too much of an issue. The fastest ground she's likely to have encountered is that causing you any concern? 
Uh, she travelled yesterday. Um, she cantered on the track there this morning. Uh, I saw a video. Uh, she looked very comfortable on it. Um, I think that as long as the ground isn't hard or you know very firm, she'll be fine. I think she's pretty adaptable. Um, and and I think that there's a beautiful what I could see on the on the recording. There's a beautiful cover of grass and it looks in great shape. So I think we should be good. Continuing the theme of of good high class older fillies, Ross Carberry finished in third place behind her in the pretty poly she was disqualified we've talked quite a bit about that she came back with an excellent win over 14 furlongs in a leopardstown group three and she goes to Deauville at the weekend for the prix jean Romanet, where she'll take on very elegant amongst others you you mix and match trip with her what do you think's her ideal um she's she's a filly that's very straightforward she's she's won from a mile in the all weather on the first of april to a mile and six uh in leopardstown there in early july so she's she's versatile trip wise i mean she's 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 ran a like at a mile a mile and a quarter a mile and a half a mile and six so she's she's a she's a strong traveler who, who likes to get on with things and, and sees her races out well so i think mile and a quarter mile and a half sort of uh, is probably her optimum mile and six just look to stretch her a little bit maybe the last day when you got her you know she wasn't highly rated she's got a nice pedigree but she hadn't done much to suggest she was you know, anything particularly special did you think oh i've got quite a bit to, to work on here did you think she was good as soon as you started working her uh, no, she came there last year and she just slotted into her routine lovely and I didn't really ask her any question for the first six months and just through this spring we kind of got her ready to run her maiden and uh, you know hoped that she'd win that when she went for her maiden and then went for her handicap and hoped she'd win that and she won that and decided to try another handicap and she just progressed herself all the way through and kept every time we asked her a question she answered it you know. The same ownership, Earl of Tyrone is now as short as 13 to 2 uh, for the Sky Bet Ebor. He's another one who's Im- improved beyond beyond all recognition, really. Um, you look at his handicap mark now. Do you think he's well handicapped off a, what is he, 100 and, 105 odd, something like that? Yeah, he's a fine horse. Again, he progressed well all year. He's, uh, he's physically big, strong, fine horse, and probably took him all his life, you know, his lifetime to, you know, he's only reaching his prime now, I would imagine. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a horse that I think can mix it at, at stakes level in the future. He's obviously won a listed race in the RCB, has come out and won the Irish St. Ledger trial there last Saturday, raised you pretty comprehensively, beating uh, a previous Irish St. Ledger winner, in, Ledger winner in search for a song. So it would indicate that his farm is strong. Have you got something exciting in mind for him beyond this? Is there Could he go abroad later in the year? Uh, I didn't put him in the Australian races as I was going to keep him closer to home. He has he has entries in the Philly, the um, champion staying race in Ascot, the Cadran, uh, the Irish Cesaro, which is a race that is, is has become very attractive in this year with a purse of six hundred thousand euros, and he's entered in that. Um, I, this might be sacrilege. Ever think of giving him a spin over hurdles? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd imagine he'd be ideal for that job too. Um, uh, I'd probably leave that to somebody else if he goes down that route. I mean, would it would that ever tempt you if you had one like this and somebody said, "Go on, train him up for a champion hurdle for me"? Would it? Would you do it? We have a couple of nice horses, uh, and I've run horses in pint to pints and bumpers before. So uh, we have Beamish and him, who are both staying stakes level, staying horses that get two miles, and uh, both are four year olds with you know relatively unex you know lightly raced for their age. 
and both could uh, feasibly go that route. You know, we have some three-year-olds as well, like, you know, Spasiba again would look that type of horse. But, you know, for the moment, I'm a flat trainer. Yeah, quite right. And a big group one week as well. Sorry to, to divert from uh, from some very important missions more immediately. Treasure Trove in the Roses Stakes as well at York. She's a, a filly by Sayuni with some, with some lovely form. She she looks to have been found at the right spot. Are you are you quite hopeful? Yeah, um, she's she's a nice filly. She's progressed well all year. Um, she's ran against some very good horses. You know, horses that have won at stakes level, won at Royal Ascot, um, and uh, she 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 likes a, a sort of a level track with no undulations. Uh, you know, her better runs are at Tipperary and Cork, or not Tipperary and the Curra, um, where you know, which are similar to York and that they're lovely flat like carpets. And uh, her run last week in the listed race at the Curra, where she was just chinned, um, I think puts her in the mix in that race. She's now rated 100 and she's in great form. Uh, Paddy Toomey there, who is set for a, a big week potentially, I asked him whether it was going to be the biggest week of his career and he was, um, slightly non-committal but clearly clearly to my eye it, it could well be Jane I mean just looking at his numbers they're they're absolutely ridiculous yeah he, he's he's having a phenomenal time and it's it's it would be unwise to say he's having a phenomenal season because his strike rate last year was in around 30 percent as well and 27 winners from 79 runners 34 percent strike rate and nine of those 27 winners have been at stakes level it's um it is by anyone's standards enviable it's um but it's a precedent he has set from the very very start he's never ran a huge number of horses uh he's always tended to focus on quality and, and aim for stakes company which also makes it a little bit funny that he has the fee- the favor for the ebor in earl of tyrone but uh, you, you're you're much closer to the operation you've seen it at first hand what do you think makes him so successful um, well, training is training is a tough sport. Everybody knows that. We mentioned that last week. But he's gone in rather than looking at the the difficulties and the obstacles he has to overcome. He just wants to make it happen. He has a goal. He he wants high quality of horses. He's attracted some top shrewd owners from a very very early stage in his career, which have provided him with good horses to run. But Ultimately, what makes Paddy Toomey a success is not just his training ability, but many of the good horses he's had, he's sourced himself. So I think he's probably a fantastic judge of horse flesh as well. And we know that there's many good trainers out there, but they don't get the good horses to train. It's some ability to be able to go out and get those horses yourself so that you have them in your yard. Well, it's Tuesday, so we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's. A little bit of a change in, in direction today. I'm joined by, by Ted Vout, who many of you will be familiar with from his extensive work in the bloodstock world as a buyer and a seller, as a racing manager, as a breeder, uh, as a farm manager. He's indeed occupied this slot before in, in, in all those capacities and also racing manager, of course, to, to Prince A.A. A. Faisal. And, and they've got Mishriff running the defending champion in the Judmont International tomorrow. But uh, Ted's with me because he's a TBA board member, chair of the Sales Consigners Committee. And the recent publication of the Sales Welfare Guidelines has um, gone down extremely well in the industry. Ted, just tell me a little bit more about why the, the industry felt these guidelines were, were necessary to be published now. Well, uh, together with the ITBA, uh, Golfs and Tattersalls, we all, we all uh, 
flagged uh, sort of welfare issues going forward and and we'd already already addressed the addressed the scoping um, particularly with the falls uh, a few years ago and some recommendations were drawn up at that point um, so the collaboration sort of decided that we might bring that one stage further a few few of our members had uh, had had issued a few concerns about uh, the welfare and uh, arresting of foals and and what we could do to sort of encourage um, the industry um, to, to look at that area. And, and that's really where it all started. Um, and, and that's why, you know, some of these recommendations have been drawn up uh, and to expand, you know, the, the, the endoscoping of yearlings and, uh, and foals, which, we, which resulted in encouraging people to do videos. And to what extent, Ted, um, is this born of a, need, a greater need for transparency, transparency in the, in the bloodstock world and in, in the sales ring in particular? Uh, yeah, I th- yeah, I think you know. I think we're only just touching the surface here, and we've started with the welfare on the horses. We we've probably got to continue uh, looking at the welfare of, of our employees and the people working around the longer hours, and uh, and see what we can do. Um, you know, to to to, to improve uh, the way the the way we manage all of that. But I I, I think you know the world has become a lot. Lot more transparent places you've just referred referred to, and I and I think uh, I think as as uh, an industry body, body representing smaller and larger breeders, or most of the breeders, professional breeders in in our industry, uh, we felt it very important that we that we start with uh, with the horse welfare and across the board, and and try and put some guidelines and education out there um, uh, that. That, that that help people and and I think the biggest thing is is just giving people confidence that uh, that they have prepared the horses uh, to to a standard they, they, you know this is a standard that we're putting out there a minimum standard where we think that horses should should be uh, going to a sale and uh, and that people aren't frightened to say look my my horse is tired is tired it's it's, it's it, 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 his feet are slightly sore, and uh, I'm going to pack him up for this evening at three o'clock, and and I'll show him again first thing in the morning when he's had some rest and, and a chance to lie down. Um, and I think that people were worried that they couldn't do that. And uh, some of this paper is 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 to help people um, say, well, actually, you know. We can do that. That I mean, it, it's not offensive to the buyers, and a lot of people understand. A lot of the bigger consigners were probably doing that in any case, and saying, "Well, look, you know, we, we, the Tattersalls have done everything in their power to put rubber, rubber show show places uh, around the the whole of the uh, the grounds, and so have golfs. You know, uh, the, the, a lot of the facilities uh, with they they've spent a lot of time thinking." About how to 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 the, show, the horses should show properly, and and not get sore or, t- or tired, and um, and I think um, the vendors needed some confidence and needed some guidelines to to be to, to refer to to be able to 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 improve the welfare um, of 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 the, of the horses. I'm not. I think that the standard of welfare is very high in 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 both Tattersalls golfs um and across the industry but but i i think it just gives us a baseline from for everybody to work from ted big day for for you tomorrow as, as racing and bloodstock advisor to, to prince a.a faisal uh, mishrif the defending champion of the judmont international how do you feel taking on baid do you feel um confident or do you feel cowed by his brilliance 
Well, <laughs> I, th- I mean, I, I'm a great fan of Baid. Uh, obviously, uh, Mishra is very close to my heart. But Baid looks like you know he's he's another cha- another champion, uh, Frankel type horse, and uh, you know. Uh, you, you have to race good horses against good horses. And um, I think if we turn up uh, the way we turned up in the Judmont last year, which is probably his best race of his career, um, if we can turn up, I think, you know, uh, if there is a chink in Bayes um, armour, um, we might find it. Um, but um, to to come sep- second to Baid in uh, is going to be a, b- a big thing in the industry. In any case, was second to the, the best horse in the world. Um, but let's ho- let's hope we give him a run for his money. I mean, we're very excited. The, you know, the prince prince is in in England, and um, you know we're, we're you know we're we're not going to duck duck the issue. And um, you know, following this race, I, I should think we'll go. We'll start making some stud stud plans for him. Um, in the coming months so that um, he can retire to stud. So do you, I mean, do you think this will be his last race? I think there's a possibility. Um, you know, he, he doesn't cope with Asker, uh in uh, with the ground, uh, the, uh, the variety of the ground in, in the aut- aut- autumn. Um I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't love the place. Full stop. Does he? No. He, 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 I mean, he's. I know he's come second there in the King George and, and, and third in the King George. But I, you know, we haven't won there, and that's that's the old ultimate test. And uh, um, you know, I'd, I going travelling him to 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 Keeneland, which I think is as tight as Delmar, and we decided not to go to Delmar. Um, you know, it's all it's up, it's up to the Prince and, and John, of, of course, and you know. Quite often, after a race like this, John says he's jumping out of his skin, and we need to find something to run him in. Um, but I, you know, and I, you know, he's well entered, so he could go anywhere. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think that the prince would like to focus on his stud career after this race, and and uh, uh, and find him a, a a great place to go where he can send some mares, and um, and uh, you know, we can go into the next phase of, of his career. Yeah, that's a, it's a, I know it's a big personal thing for him. When we did the interview in, in Saudi Arabia in uh, February, I think it was, and we were talking about his his stud career, I said, oh, couldn't you, I'm sure he'd, he'd go down a storm in Japan or wherever. And he's like, well, yeah, but then I've got to get my mares there. And uh, yeah, there's a big there's a big personal aspect to him wanting, wanting to actually be able to monitor his, the rest of his life and career, it seems. Yeah, and uh, you know we had a lot of interest on him last year, and, and one of the, one of that one of, one part of that interest was Japan. And you're absolutely right, and 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 but and we had actually we've done a lot of work on 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 the feasibility of taking some mares to Japan and breeding our own horses and bringing them back. And obviously, it's a lot more expensive, and and the prince likes to see his horses, and and that would prohibit prohibit him from seeing them in Japan because you know it's quite a long way to to travel and um and he's used to coming to London where he has a uh, has a residence and um you know I I think he would enjoy it closer to home uh closer to Europe um but um you know I think he also is a businessman and he you know he he is going to set the stall out after the judgment and see see which studs would like to stand it all right, Ted Vout there, and news that Mishrif Jane might be having his last race tomorrow. Um, again, they don't seem to be that keen to take him to the Breeders' Cup, even though John Gosden was quite enthusiastic about Keeneland when he was speaking about it last year. I mean, I suppose it all depends on on what happens tomorrow, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. And I say take race by race and maybe surmise after the judgment tomorrow and see what happens. But I suppose if you're going to America, you cannot be breaking uh, even remotely slow. And we'll see. That'll be the biggest crucial point of his race in the judgment is getting him out of the gates. James Doyle um, will be obviously wise to that after what happened in the King George. But just looking at his numbers, everybody knows his earnings have been phenomenal. That Saudi Cup win. Uh, two years ago, obviously major contribution to that. Judgment International win last year, arguably the performance of his career, but his consistency has probably never been um, given the credit that he, he deserves. He obviously won the Prix de Jockey Club at Shanti. He came back and won at Deauville and went out to, to Maidan and to, to Saudi and he proved that he could travel, he could handle most surfaces. He's been a, a very consistent, tough genuine horse and uh, he's going to go out in his shield tomorrow no doubt he's a seven-time winner uh, over 11 million in earnings and i think he's a dream horse to own jane thoroughbred daily news this morning reporting that onesto the winner of the grand prix de paris is on target to take on the best horse in france vadeni in the um irish champion stakes so the two best horses in france in a, a matchup at leopardstown in early september uh, what do you think of that? That's a mouth-watering prospect. Absolutely thrilled that they're coming. Thank God, because that's such a prestigious race for everyone in Ireland, and I would hope for everyone in Europe. Uh, we mentioned before that France have only won three of their own domestic group ones, where there is two of them, Badeni and Onesto, and it's thrilling to see them coming. It's good to see Luxembourg back, albeit it was workmanlike in the Royal Whip. It's, it's it's great for Irish Champions Weekend to have those international horses coming. I was a little bit disappointed when Inspiral crossed the line that John Gosden, as good as, ruled out the matron for her. I was looking forward to seeing herself clash with Homeless Songs, who will hopefully be back uh, over the mile trip at Leopardstown. And uh, it, it's the best weekend of flat racing in, in Ireland. Um, right. What did you make of L Luxembourg? I, I, I didn't love it, I've got to say. It was tough. Um, Insinuendo is a good filly, but she shouldn't be giving him the fright that she did, and she did head him. Um, I thought it was very, very workmanlike. And reading uh, or listening to Aiden post race, it seemed like there was more than one issue with the horse throughout the season, and it was difficult to even get him back to this stage. So maybe we're lucky to be seeing him back at all. Um, and I obviously expect much better next time, but he will have to be 10 times the horse we saw in the Royal Whip if he's going to beat Ernesto and Vedeni in the champion stakes. Now, Newbridge in County Kildare is not known as the home of hurling. See, I've done my research, you can tell. But it will be today because a very special game takes place today uh, to raise money for, for cancer research. Uh, Davy Russell has, has been instrumental in the organisation of this and he, he joins me on the line now. Uh, Davy, you're bringing hurling to County Kildare and for a very important reason. Yeah, um, it's a good... Um it's a good shout out to you now. Um, so we're heading to St. Connell's Park today, um, throwing us at six o'clock. I suppose the festivities will start around roughly around five, but uh, we're expecting a big crowd. Uh, there's some superstars on show and it's all for a very good cause, as you, as you well said. But it's just the racing community and the GAA community over here are very closely linked and uh, we're getting together to um, try and raise some very important funds for cancer research. Now, if you hadn't been a jockey, would you have been a GAA star? 
no, it, it's obviously it's an amateur sport um, over here, so uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a pastime rather than a than a than a you know. Uh, I mean, uh, rather than a profession, I get it. Yeah. So, but uh, then again, the players treat it as a profession. If you know what I mean, it's a very professionally run um, uh, sport. But um, there's not a whole lot of money to be made out. But definitely a very enjoyable one to take part in. And you know, in Ireland, you kind of grow up. Um, you grow up um, playing hurling, playing football, and. Uh, for your local club and then if you are good enough you play for your county and you end up winning all Ireland's and me being from Cork is kind of a it's it's it, it, we're having a little bit of a drought down here at the moment for all Ireland's but uh, we're building to get back into it now, so now, it's, a, it's an incredible sport now obviously a, a large portion of the listenership is is Irish but a, 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 probably a larger one isn't and um, there'll be plenty of people going what actually is hurling um, so, so if you were to describe hurling to someone who just landed from Mars, how would you describe it? Well, if, if, if someone was landing in from from Britain and <laughs> just just landed on a GA field with a game of hurling on, it's basically cricket, but everybody has a bat, and you are allowed to swing that bat, connect with the ball, and drive it from one end of the field to the other to your to your to your own teammates and the main objective then is to score uh, score points so uh, there's obviously a goal post quite like it's similar to a rugby goal post and above the po- above and between the posts is one point and below and in the goal is three points um, so there's a goalkeeper there's 15 players on each side and it is very very quick it's played with a similar ball to a cricket ball and look I could get shot for it for, but the, the bats they're not they're not cricket bats they're not they're not like cricket bats but if you google a, a hurley and slittery you'll you'd, you'd see exactly the the um the stuff that we play with um, it's a letter ball and the accuracy and the speed that the game is played with especially the guys that will be playing tonight now all of these are top top players whether it be past or present or future so um, there's there's guys on like you know Tim Doyle the flat trainer well the, the, he trains but National Hunter flat over here he's got a young lad David who is kind of 16 or 17 and he's on the fringes of getting on to one of the major teams over here he'll be playing um, then there's there's the leading uh, scorer of all time of of the game is Patrick Horgan. He'll be playing. He's he's presently playing at the moment. He's a, a, a phenomenal player. And then you've younger lads breaking through. You've All Ireland this year's All Ireland winning medalist Tom Morrissey. Um, you have the guys that got beaten in the in the final. Uh, a lot of the Kilkenny lads are playing, like TJ Reid. All these names are kind of household names over here, and they will be putting their talents on show for cancer research this evening in St Connors Park. Perfect. And can people can people still come? Is it going to be packed out, or is it still a bit of room? Oh no, people! Oh, everybody's welcome. Uh, right. So you can get you can get tickets on the gate, and then you can click on to hurlingforcancer.ie. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to donate or buy tickets online. But I would say if you are thinking of going, go early, enjoy the atmosphere and the festivities. All the players will be coming in the main gate. People get to meet them. They're very generous with their time, signing hurleys, signing jerseys, you know, everything. There'll be there'll be jerseys for sale up there. There'll be hurleys for sale, slitters. 
everything will be for sale there and all proceeds will be going to cancer research and as everybody knows unfortunately it's an easy sell as cancer touches nearly every household in the world uh, well definitely over this part of the country and all money raised goes to cancer research and uh, we're over the million mark and we want to break on through and help the the charity as much as we can well thanks to to davy russell to all my guests today um I, I thought you might be up in Newbridge County, Kildare, this evening, Jane. I won't make it. I am in London and I'm ready to go to York tomorrow. It's all happening, but the, the Hurling for Cancer is great to see it back. And it's obviously for a wonderful cause. And it always attracts a great atmosphere and raises an, a lot, an awful lot of money. But uh, I am, I'm heading up to Yorkshire tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the Judmont. I'm looking forward to the Oaks. I'm looking forward to seeing Alpinista in the UK. I'd say a lot of UK fans are looking forward to seeing her, having not seen her for a very long time, having been trading, playing her trade in Germany and France. Um, I'm hoping for a few uh, Irish flags to be raised. Maybe it'll be courtesy of Tuesday or Magical Lagoon or Lapatico throughout the week. And uh, I will be joining yourself and the team and hopefully we'll have a good time. Good time guaranteed, for sure. Have you got a tip for me? I do. I... I if it doesn't get in, I'd be very disappointed, as I'm sure the team of William Mullins will be as well. I'm going a lot of joy in the Ebor, uh, but number 36, she might struggle. She's a sister, Camelot's sister, to Sonny Boy Liston, who won the race last year. She doesn't get in. I'm going to go Tuesday in the Yorkshire Oaks. I think she's a forgotten filly. She didn't run in the Irish Derby. She would be favoured for this. Alpinista is justifiably top of the market, but I'm questioning the form of those German and French group ones that she's been winning. Let's see if she's good enough to beat the best in, in Britain and Ireland. All right, Jane, thanks so much uh, for your company today. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you do enjoy this podcast, please do tell your friends and uh, leave us a rating and a review on uh, whichever podcast provider you choose. Uh, we will be back tomorrow from York. I uh, look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.